15. Matthew 15, in verses 29 through 39. Reading from the New American Standard text, the Bible says, Departing from there, Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee, and having gone up on the mountain, he was sitting there, and large crowds came to him, bringing to them those who were lame, who were crippled, who were blind, mute, and many others. And they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. So the crowds marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat and I do not want to send them away hungry for they might faint on the way. The disciples said to him, where would we go? Where would we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven, and a few, fall fi- a few small fish. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish. And giving thanks, he broke them and started giving them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up. What was left over of the broken pieces, seven large baskets full. And those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And sending away the crowds, Jesus got into the boat and came into the region of Magadan. Now, as the text opens here... This is one of these accounts of mass healings in the Gospel of Matthew. And they appear quite regularly. They appear quite frequently. We often see Jesus healing large crowds at a time. And I can't imagine what it would have been like to have sat there through the day and seen him healing so many with various infirmities. There is the temptation, because we know this, because we've heard this, to take this for granted. But help us to stand, may the Lord help us to stand in awe of the Jesus who did this. In a day, when I guess you're in a nursing home, you see people, you walkers, you see people with infirmities, To think about people who had more infirmities, more illnesses than those. And Jesus healing them all. is truly an amazing thing. Now, I think it's significant here. Something that's said, or what is said, 
in the Gospel of Mark. Because in Mark, right after Jesus heals the demon-possessed girl, which we talked about last week in Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28, right after that, he doesn't record this mass healing of Jesus. But what he does record is Jesus healing healing a specific person, a deaf person. Account unique to Mark. There are not many accounts unique to Mark, but he opens the ears of one deaf. Just keep that in mind. He opens the ears of this one that's deaf, but what is emphasized in the account in Matthew, the ones that are emphasized as being healed, the text tells us that the crowds, first of all, the crowds came together. The crowds bring their sick. They bring their lame, their crippled, their blind, and their mute. And Jesus heals them all, and the crowds marvel. The crowds are amazed, just like the crowds marvel. They marvel, they are amazed when Jesus quiets the winds and the waves. They marvel uh, when Jesus cast out demons in Matthew 8, uh, 27, Matthew 9, 33. But but here they, they marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. The mute speaking, the crippled restored, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. Now, let me encourage you to look back at an Old Testament passage in Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35. Isaiah 34 uses Edom as a picture of the enemies of God and pictures judgment coming on them. Isaiah 35 pictures God's blessings upon his people and God turning a wilderness and a dry area into a productive and fruitful area. But listen to these descriptions. In Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6, the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy, for waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. Now, look at that language. The lame will leap like a deer. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5 and verse 31, the lame were walking. The tongue, the Bible says, the eyes of the blind. The, 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 um, I didn't go in the right order. In verse 5 of Isaiah 35, the eyes of the blind will be open. And notice that the blind were seeing in Matthew 15, 31. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. We just saw that in Mark 7, verses 31 through 37. The text tells us the lame will leap like a deer. We saw that 
in Matthew 15, 31. And it tells us the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. What I'm saying is Jesus is fulfilling this picture. Isaiah 35 doesn't specifically mention one character, but it does tell us of God bringing a salvation for his people where these people's circumstance, the blind and the lame and the crippled and the deaf, their situation will be totally transformed. And Jesus is fulfilling this picture. And the Bible tells us when they experience these things, they glorify the God of Israel. Now as they glorify the God of Israel, Jesus calls his disciples and he says, I have compassion. It's interesting that Jesus is pictured as having compassion on the crowds before. But he calls attention to it here. I have compassion on the crowds for they have been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. And the disciples said, we, we don't have enough to give them to feed this great crowd in this wilderness. And Jesus says, what do you have? And they said, seven loaves and a few fish, four fish. And they sit down on the ground. And Jesus takes this seven loaves and four fish. And the text tells us he gives thanks for them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples give them to the crowd. 4,000 men and women eat and are satisfied. Excuse me, 4,000 men, not including women and children, eat from these seven loaves and four fish. And there's seven baskets left over. And they get into a boat and go to the other side. I don't know about you. I should have sailed from here to me. If some of you want it, I will try to send you a list. I pointed out on my notes here about seven, at least seven similarities between this and the feeding of the 5,000. But there are at least six, I counted, differences between these. Some of them very specific, very particular. But obviously, this is the same kind of event. And why are we being told this twice? Why are we being told this twice? Let's say just a few things about this picture before we look before we look at that question, let me not give the answer before we look a little bit at the text. Verse 33, I really love. Where will we 
in this desolate crowd, desolate place, have enough loaves to satisfy this large crowd. The disciples recognize they're in a barren area. They are in a desolate place. They recognize that there is an enormous need. There is a huge crowd that needs to be fed. Their resources do not match the need. And there is nothing in this place to provide for them. Now, some people say... Some writers will argue, I can't believe that this miracle would have happened twice. Because how could the disciples, after he had fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish in Matthew 14, how could these disciples now respond in this way when Jesus tells them he feels compassion for the crowd? How could they respond seemingly oblivious to all that Jesus had just done? Now, I'm glad that you and I that we always keep in mind how God has provided, what God has done, and that we would never be so foolish to ask such a question. The disciples are slow to learn, much as we are. But Jesus repeats this miracle Again. Now, what is the reason for this? I want to just give what I am saying as a possibility. I am not absolutely certain that this answer is correct. But you notice in verse 31. That as Jesus was on the mountain and he was, and all the sick and all the lame come to him. And as they come to him and he heals them of their difficulties, of their problems, as he does this for these, the text tells us that they glorified the God of Israel in verse 31. They glorified the God of Israel. Now, some point out that usually when Jesus does some great miracle and it leads the people to glorify God, that it simply stops there. They glorify God. Uh, Matthew 9 verse 8 is an example of that. But here they glorify the God of Israel. They glorify Him. That may be a hint that these people are Gentiles. There is weakness with that. For sometimes you see Israelites throughout the Bible speak in similar ways. Another hint that people sometimes give, one of the differences in these accounts is after Jesus fed the 4,000, they took up 12 baskets. The word that's used there is a specifically Jewish word for basket. The word that's used here in Matthew chapter uh, 15 and verse 37 is a different 
word is a different word that refers to a larger basket. It's the basket, for example, used to let Paul down over the city walls of Damascus in Acts 9 and verse 25. But it is a word uh, that is more um, Hellenistic. And so some think, well, that it points to the fact this is a Gentile crowd. I, I don't know if that is what is being indicated in the text. I think that's a good possibility, but I don't know that with absolute certainty. But why is that? Why would that be a big deal anyway? Jesus took the food. He gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples who give it to the crowd. As we point out, that language reflects the language of the Lord's Supper. That language reflects also the language of the Messianic banquet. And if indeed these people are Gentiles, this may be a message that Jesus is demonstrating that demonstrating that all will be welcome at his table, partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine, remembering his death. And it is a statement that there will be Jews and Gentiles, there will be all people present in the kingdom of God. All people present in the kingdom of God. Matthew 8, verses 5 through 13, it's a story we've invoked often as we have gone through the gospel of Matthew. It is the centurion whose servant is sick and messengers go and they ask Jesus to come and heal him. And as the messengers are on the way to his house, the centurion sends out some men and said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. You remember the story. What we want to emphasize today in that particular account in Matthew 8 is that Jesus marveled. Here it is not the crowds marveling. Jesus marvels that this man has seen, has exercised such faith, such belief. And also, Jesus goes on to say many from the east and west will come and sit with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God. This miracle that Jesus does for a Gentile and this, this faith that Jesus sees in a Gentile is a statement that all of these people will have a part in that picture of all the same at the end of time, join in a great celebration. Come unto me, Jesus said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All are invited to the table. Jews, Gentiles, and that encompasses all. Another message that is given here 
is Jesus as the good shepherd. Now we stated this when we were talking about the feeding of the 5,000 from the standpoint that Jesus has them to sit on the green grass. And as they sit on the green grass, he is fulfilling the role of the good shepherd who satisfies all of their needs. But look at these two passages with me. Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 34. And I want you to notice how Jesus fulfills the language of these passages. In Jeremiah 31, in verse 10, Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare in the coastlands afar off, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and redeemed him from the hand of him who was stronger than he. They shall come and shout for joy on the height of Zion. And they shall be radiant over the bounty of the Lord, over the grain and new wine and oil. And over the young of the flock and the herd. And their lives shall be like a watered, shall be like a watered garden. And they shall never languish again. Then the virgin shall rejoice in the dance and the young man and the old man together for I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and give them joy for their sorrow and I will fill the soul of the priest with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness declares the Lord. Now notice that imagery of a shepherd in verse 10. Also, it speaks of the height of Zion in verse 12. Jesus did this, mount, did this miracle, did these miracles, they come to him on a mountain. He does this act on the height of Zion. The text tells us that the soul of the people will have an abundance. They will be satisfied. It's pictured in verse 14 and verse 12 of grain, new wine, oil. The specifics of the food may be different. But Jesus is fulfilling this picture of a good shepherd. But also you see in Ezekiel 34 a picture of the good shepherd who feeds the people on the mountains of Israel. Ezekiel 34 and verse 14, I will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. They will lie down on good grazing ground and feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. Jesus fulfills the picture of the good shepherd. But I stated earlier, first that really catches my attention is where the disciples speak in verse 33. They speak with not a good memory. They speak maybe out of a lack of faith. But they express the difficulty of the situation. Where would we get so many loads in this desolate place 
to satisfy such a large crowd. The magnitude of the crowd, the barrenness of the place, their inability to meet this enormous need. It leads again to the question, and remember the word desolate place is the word wilderness, the question asked in Psalm 78, verse 19, can God provide a table in the wilderness? The disciples can. But Jesus can. For those who may be listening to this today, or for those who are here every time, I understand that you may have great spiritual struggles and great spiritual burdens. And I want to tell you that I'm well aware, and I think others are well aware, of the fact that the disciples of Jesus cannot meet all your needs. Now, I don't mean by that that we should be unconcerned, that we shouldn't try to help. 1 John 3, verses 17 and 18, James 2, verses 14 through 17 say something about that. A lot of other passages say some things about that. That doesn't mean we don't try to help, but it does mean the ultimate solution for your problems is not going to be us, it is going to be Him. Disciples often find ourselves in difficult situations when people have problems that are way beyond our ability to deal with or cope with. And sometimes we need to recognize our inabilities and just point people to the one who is the living bread, to the one who is the answer to every problem. Just a few weeks ago, uh, in Atlanta, I found myself on Saturday, most of the people were new to me at the time, and we were trying to talk to some people, invite them to services, and interest them in the Bible and hand out Bibles. And the lady that I just ended up by accident kind of spending most of the time with was so good at what she was doing. She was so positive. She was so upbeat. She could deal with any kind of situations So later that night, this lady who seemed so positive, so upbeat, 
persona murdered within this past year. She was invited over to the house where I was invited the next night. I didn't want to bring up the subject, but she did. She brought it up. What do we do in such a case? I don't know what to say. I don't know all the answers. And I hope I'm never in that situation. I hope you aren't either. We are weak. We are helpless. And he is all powerful. It's the one who can take seven loaves and a few small fish and feed 4,000 men and have more left over than he did when he started. He is the one who can help with our difficulties. I will say, the conversation when she brought up the subject. Was not a discouraging conversation. But one where she exhibited much hope and much strength. In spite of that situation in spite of some things about that situation that happened in As disciples, we are like these disciples, weak and limited. But if you come here, I want you to know we seek to point you to one who can deal with your difficulties. Let us pray. Oh Lord our God, you are worthy of worship and praise. We magnify your name for how glorious and awesome you are. And Lord, if we were to go through each person. The needs of this crowd are great. And the ability of any or all of us to adequately meet those needs is not present. It is you who can. May our lives be more and more a turning away from ourselves and a turning away, a turning toward you. Looking to you, leaning upon you, depending upon you, and relying in you. Hold us in your hand, for you alone are big enough to solve our problems and bring us home to glory. In Jesus' name.
If you believe in Jesus, if you believe that he died and rose again, if you, on the basis of the fact, believing that he is the answer to your greatest needs, that he is the one who can solve your most difficult problems, that he is the answer to the meaning of life, If you believe that and you're willing to turn from your sins and turn toward Him, to repent of your wrongdoing, and to submit to Him in the waters of baptism, we want to help you as we stand and as we say. Science calls, sweet, they rain, call.